It's Monday, March 15th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. NCAA tournament starting this week. We're anticipating uh, finding out specifically when Nordame spring practice starts next week. We are anticipating Wednesday, March 24th for it to kick off. Nordame gets a verbal commitment from four-star cornerback from California, Jaden Mickey. And Notre Dame baseball, Notre Dame hockey. Notre Dame hockey appears that that's winding down. We'll talk about baseball later in segment two. But, Tim, um, Jaden Mickey, let's start with him. Just what you think Notre Dame is getting. I know that I know that you did a, a depth chart looking far down the road. Your thoughts on Jaden Mickey? Yeah, whenever you look at freshman depth chart for corners, you got to wonder if they could play nickel to start out because uh, Brian Kelly has employed or started five freshman defensive backs in nickel to start a year. Now, only one of them stuck and <laughs> didn't get beaten out by an older player. But it's the talented guys that can kind of move and, and play in that role. And when you're projecting a, I mean, a sophomore that's about to play his junior spring semester, so strange, and a, and a senior, it's hard to go that far ahead. But, I mean, if, as you point out, the weight room catches up, and especially if he could come in early and get some Matt Bayless work, he does have the skill set and kind of game talent and ability and kind of approach to the game to play nickel. You know, he can come in and play nickel um, where a lot of guys don't have that when they come on a campus. Yeah. I actually like him at that nickel position, at least initially. I still have some questions about just his flat out speed because you see some receivers get behind him, at least again, when he was a sophomore, right, right. I thought a lot of his film was comprised of a lot of bad throws by the opposing quarterback that he took advantage of. But I think he's got a lot of upside. I, I, when I when I see, I mean, he's a very confident young man out there. When I see him play, it reminds me of Robert Blanton when he came in when he was at Notre Dame, at least in terms of just his attitude towards play. He's got to get a lot stronger. Right. And I do right. have some questions about just what he runs the 40 in, but I do like him at nickel. I, I think he's got he's got some length. He's listed at 5'11 and a half. I'm not exactly sure how tall he is, but he's got some length and he's got some mirror coverage abilities, which I think plays very well to the nickel position. Yeah, and he's the fifth corner now uh, over the last two cycles. Fourth, if you you know assume Barnes or something, Barnes or Tucker could move to safety. But let's say fifth of the last two cycles. Two more prior to that, with one that already or three more prior to that. One already hitting in Clarence Lewis, uh, and then offered at Henderson. We'll see what we have there. We'll see what Notre Dame has there. How do you kind of look at? You like Tucker? And I like. I know you like Riley and Tucker more than Mickey. Uh, I throw, throw I Clarence do. Lewis out of it. We like we like all these guys better than Clarence Lewis coming in though. So let's let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit on what yeah, we're saying. Here, I suppose. <laughs> no, that that's yeah. I did I did like those two guys better. Uh, yeah. But again, we've only seen Mickey as a sophomore. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. You know when his season is is complete in about six weeks, his junior season. Yeah, which is technically the twenty. You know, for so the strange. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's now. hard to. It's hard to verbalize it correctly, but you know, we'll probably feel different, probably feel different about him uh, about six weeks from now. And if you look at, there's an interview with him in November. And I think, you know, you could see that he's filled out a little bit. So it'll be interesting yeah. to track him moving forward on Wednesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's day. We anticipate uh, a decision by Joshua Burnham, linebacker, four-star linebacker. Everybody loves him. I haven't heard yeah. anybody say a bad thing about Joshua Burnham, and we fully expect him to end up with Notre Dame. That's, and that'd be, we have, that should be great momentum, and that is one where, well, that's about as solid, solid as it gets of a prospect, right? Solid with upside. I don't mean, I don't mean solid as the baseline. That, 
that the the floor is solid, and that you don't say that very often in that position for Notre Dame yeah. coming in. No, I would agree. Um, Notre Dame, I, you know, this is the first year I think that we've really had a demand from our listeners and readers about you know graduate assistants and and yeah. analysts that have been hired. Mike Moon. Uh, a fairly recent Hawaii graduate, 2017. I'm I've been trying to get a hold of Oscar McBride because he worked with him, uh, former Notre Dame tight end. He worked with with Mike Moon, so obviously he's older and he just graduated yeah. a little bit later in life. But uh, um, he's a guy that Notre Dame obviously likes. He's an addition. I've been trying to get information from Notre Dame about who's in, who isn't among analysts and grad assistants. Not getting a lot of feedback. Uh, there on that request, yeah, but we'll, we'll find out. We do think we haven't heard about when spring practice. No, the COVID, the winter conditioning shutdown, and then second shutdown really threw off what we can get from Notre Dame because we had some good plans. And I get it when it shuts down; it, that just takes over yeah. their existence. We do. Really, I, I, I have had some information yeah. filter back to me, which we'll address in the second segment. People obviously want to know what's going on with winter workouts when they are working out, who's looked good, who's surprised, early entry guys, younger yeah. guys. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in segment two. But Mike Moon will be a, a, a part of the group, about part of the support group that will be uh, that will be helping Notre Dame this fall and moving into the uh, – or this spring and then moving into the fall. Uh, NCAA tournament out, Tim, I don't know if we're, we're prepared to get into that. Notre Dame obviously not a part of that. Uh, they're the opposite of that, whatever that is, the opposite (laughs) of that. They lost by 42 to North Carolina since our last podcast on Monday or on Wednesday rather. And they were losing by 50. I mean, come on what they were losing by 50. And I just, and I understand that North Carolina was, was starting to peak and playing their best basketball, uh, not shocked by Georgia tech beating them. I like the way they're coached. They have some star players there. Um, including your, your third game, player of the Georgia year. Tech's first. That all adds up to you know that that's yeah no I mean that's yeah. that certainly helps. I, I didn't know you, you know I didn't I didn't know you know exactly, here's Georgia Tech and Florida State playing in the ACC championship yeah. game and they each played one time. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a little weak. <laughs> but you know, and hopefully a lot of that can be avoided as we get started here in the NCAA tournament. But let's you know, let's put a bow. I and mean, we do have questions on Notre basketball in segment segment, but. How in the world are you down 50 in an ACC tournament game, down 42, just getting hammered on the backboards, which we know is a North Carolina strength, but how in the world do you give up 18 offensive rebounds in the first half? And I think there's a very high element of giving up, Tim. Like The word quit is always people hate it when you use it, but I'm 37 to 2 run until North Carolina's celebrating and you score eight of the final 10 points. I mean, come on. You're trying to tell me they can't hold North Carolina to a plus 15 rebound ratio and, and North Carolina can get 10 offensive rebounds, but you can get four yourself out of sheer hustle. I mean, it was really hard to watch. Um, people were talking about first shot defense that Notre Dame's first shot defense was better. That's a good thing, but there's no defense without defensive rebounding. There's no such thing. That's like saying the 2002 or the 2007 Notre Dame football pass defense was good because they came in second in the country. It wasn't good. The other team just ran the whole time. I mean, there's just your first shot defense. North Carolina didn't care if they missed. It was just guys yeah. playing volleyball. And Bray has always talked about concerns of the backboard, but this year was so much worse. The, con- the concern of the backboard was an absolutely 
fatal flaw that they didn't try to overcome. No, they did not. And, you know, I don't, I've been saying all along, I think it's an NCAA tournament team next year. Well, not if you don't, if you don't come right. up with some solutions to, to handle the backboards. I mean, not that, not that Juwan Durham was a great rebounder. He never was, but he came on very strong. And now you won't have him, you know, Paul Atkinson, but who's going to rebound? I mean, who's, who's going to be willing to stick their nose in there and rebound yeah. as you're getting embarrassed by North Carolina? Why are we to believe, and we've said this all along, the individual parts are better than the, the sum of them, but, you know, at a certain point, it's up to the individual parts to man up a little bit and, and, and play stronger than they, than they did or even tried to on the backboards. Yeah, it left a really bad taste. It's one of those things where that comeback winner awake for us, just show up and play to North Carolina and lose to the better team. That's fine, right? It's yeah. not the way it went down. Now, can Elijah Taylor come in and help? Can Matt Zona get some time and help? Nate Lashevsky's a heck of a shooter, but you can't play him in a basketball game if he's going to get just absolutely obliterated defensively and on the boards the entire time. No, you've got, you got to go with another option. And he's so easily frustrated yeah. into, you know, non-productivity that, uh, you know, as, as much progress as you made in the first half of the season, he kind of gave it all back in the yeah. second half of the season where, you know, Mike Bray described it after one of the, one of the four straight losses down the stretch that he, you know, that he has limitations off the dribble. Um, you know, I mean, it's so I, you know, I would like to think that individually that, that is still, it's, it's going to be the, it, if it's not the most veteran team in ACC coming back, it will be one of them. But if you're losing by 50 in North Carolina, and you're unwilling to pay a price on the backboards, I'm not sure exactly how that that bridge is going to be gap next year or and gap is going to be bridged next year. And I know they're better than the sixth seed in the ACC probably, but you're losing to number six seed in a terrible ACC North Carolina, not Zion Williamson's Duke team full of top ten picks, right? I mean, North Carolina is a team that you could contend with. You know why I know that? Because they're already lost by a point to them earlier in the year. So I'm positive they can contend a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not it's not a great three point shooting North Carolina team. I, I you know I thought they would I thought they had an excellent chance of winning the the ACC tournament if they just shot in the thirty five to thirty seven right. point or percentage range uh, from from three point. But uh, now it's a terrible end of the season. We'll talk more about Mike Bray and his future at Notre Dame in segment two. I just want to end Notre Dame hockey season probably ended uh, last night with a. Another disappointing loss at home. They just they could not hold the the home ice this year, uh, and they probably Jeff Jackson admitted that they probably needed uh, to win a game or two to assure themselves. Now, what they've got going for them is that you know they played twelve games against Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, uh, three very good hockey teams that will make the NCAA tournament. Uh, but it's it, it with the with the first round loss to Penn State, who they had defeated three in a row. It looked like, um, you know, another win would would and that would raise Notre Dame to three games over five hundred. But with the loss, it's looking looking a little grim. It's a small field, a sixteen team field, so um, small field for Notre Dame hockey to make it in. We'll be back segment two, burning up the boards. How long have you been a Notre Dame fan? When was your first game? And do you have an interesting game story to tell? I'm Len Clark of the Notre Dame Football Heritage Project, a project to document the Notre Dame football fan experience. Commemorate your first game or your loyalty to the Fighting Irish with a Notre Dame Football Heritage Project certificate. To learn more, go to ndcertificate.com. 
Segment two, burning up the boards, Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Brian, 739. I'm usually an optimist, but could make an argument that due to injuries, track records to date, and other factors, none of our upper-class wide receivers will have a breakout year. Of the group, I'm most optimistic about Avery Davis, who has shown progress and may finally be learning the position. What are you hearing about the offseason work ethics, health, and maturation of Watts, Johnson, and Brunel? I actually think the question should be about the seniors because Watts, Johnson, and Brunel have gotten quality reviews every time we've asked about them. It's just that they didn't play last year and everybody was really mad about it because a bunch of people wrote that they should have been playing instead of Notre Dame's tight ends and running backs and senior wide receivers. I've heard, I mean, JJ, Jordan Johnson got rave reviews from Brian Kelly, which if you remember a story I wrote last year in the spring, Brian Kelly actually has not lied, has not missed that often in his August initial player impression. We all make fun of it, but he's actually pretty on point. And Ian Book just brought up Jordan Johnson out of the blue for making it to varsity midseason and how much harder he's worked. I don't think they have an issue. I have a wondering why the seniors can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field, or can't make a play. Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay, Lawrence Keyes, Joe Wilkins. Yeah. Is that who you're speaking That's of? That's who I'm speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> and they lost one of them, Micah Jones, who didn't do any of those three things. Yeah. So <laughs> it's – I, that's the that's the issue right now. I think yeah, the it, freshmen it, are doing great. It is, and I'll I'll go ahead and tie this in with the next question from Denver Max Messon. We'll continue to talk about wide receivers, but he said, "What's more important this year? Braden Lindsay has a good season, say forty receptions, or underclassmen wide receivers make a move and start off and on throughout the season? Of course, both would be great, but you have to choose one. I mean, I don't really care. I don't really care who, it doesn't really matter who emerges, but. No, but I I have a guess why I think it might be better if it's Lindsay, because if he can get 40 catches, he's healthy. He's also going to get 25 carries and get get some yards on those jet sweeps like he did uh, in the second half of 2019. But you're right. It doesn't matter who emerges because if Jordan Johnson has 40 catches, he might have 700 yards receiving and six touchdowns. That's, that's great too. Look, I, I try to be open-minded about a guy that that's, that's had injuries. I mean, I still believe that a healthy Kevin Austin can be a a significant contributor and perhaps even the lead receiver for Notre Dame. Braden Lindsay has to, he really has to get stronger. He can't have hamstring issues anymore. This is something that he's going to have to work diligently at and really tend to. I mean, I, I, why can't Braden Lindsay emerge just because he's had some of these setbacks doesn't mean he still can't do it. I don't, Lawrence Keyes is a guy again, until he gets stronger, I, I just, I don't see it. And Joe Wilkins, I think has some physical limitations. Yeah. I like your point about Austin being the potential lead receiver because Lindsay, I think is best as an X factor, 35 catches, 30, 30 carries, some kick returns yeah, when you need him. Out. You know, it's, him it's as like a go-to guy that's going right. to catch 65 pass. But if he has, if he can double his year of 2019, where he had what 20 touches for 520 yards and four touchdowns, 40 touches for 900 yards and eight touchdowns, that's Braden Lindsay. But you're not going to have. I say double because he basically did nothing in half the games. He just has to stay healthy <laughs> and stay on the field. He's the one guy we actually have seen do things. <laughs> to fairness to Braden Lindsay, we saw him do some good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I just maintained faith in the freshman. I thought they got, including Jay Brunel, got good reviews last August. We just yeah, saw less did. of them. Now, we, now, Brunel had some COVID issues this spring, winter and spring leading up to spring anyway, whether he actually tested positive or contact tracing or what. So I know that he missed some time. But I, 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 I 
we liked what we saw of him. Deion Colsey's here. We've hit, heard some little addresses a little bit more later, but we've heard some good things about Lorenzo Styles Jr. so far since he's been here. I get the concern, and we haven't even mentioned Avery Davis, who was the the the, the one that that Brian seven thirty nine um, mentioned. But and I you know I do think I expect him to step up further, but. I do understand the concern. <laughs> I, I think there are guys there that can do this. And I, and I include, include Kevin Austin, and Braden Lindsay in that group. I need to yeah. see, I would like to see personally with my own eyes, Lawrence keys get a lot stronger. And I'm not, you know, again, I think there's a cap on just how good Joe Wilkins can be, but he can be a serviceable guy that catches 23 passes too. Right. And if he, if Lorenzo styles develops and Jordan Johnson develops and Joe Wilkins only plays, 100 snaps he's probably a good 100 snap guy because he's a senior that's made that has been out there before and played in big games so you don't want joe wilkins to start the year is is how i would look at if joe wilkins is your starter to start the year you maybe things didn't go great for the last eight months right is that fair and i I understand the concern because look last year they had to break in some new receivers partly because of injury situation and that's difficult that was something that we started talking about a year ago now that, that Ian books probably not going to be as effective because of who they lost from the previous year is top through top uh, three pass catchers. And we saw that come to fruition in the process. Ian books gets blamed for it or Dell Alexander, <laughs> but you know, you do have to develop that chemistry. And I certainly understand the concerns that anybody has about the, the receiving core going into the spring. This one from SR fifty four fifty two. Notre Dame lost a lot on its offensive line. Do you think it would make sense to try a power side of the line and develop the other side? For example, Patterson at center, Corella guard, and lug at tackle on one side and then cobble together the other side. I, I don't like that philosophy at all. I, I Well, first of all, I don't want to put – I wouldn't want them to put Corral at guard. Uh, I, I, I know that he played – they played a lot of that uh, in high school, but I, he should be the center. I, I, I really think – and Patterson, they loved – at left tackle right from the very as soon as he set foot on the campus at Notre Dame, they loved him at left tackle. So why not? I don't, I think that people need to, I don't think that Josh Lugg's back problems are history. Right. I, I think that that is still an issue as well. So now I don't believe, I don't believe in building up one side and cobbling together the other. Um, I just, I, I don't think that that is the route to go. I think Patterson, first of all, this is the route they're going. Right. I mean, that, that was about to follow up with yeah, that. Patterson's the tackle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless something changes, we're going to have to trust that Jeff Quinn and Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly have the right idea when it comes to moving Patterson left tackle. And I have no reason to discount that, because especially since you're going to plug Corell in there, who I thought really did a really fine job in two real stiff challenges in, yeah. in North Carolina and Alabama last year. Patterson was so good at left tackle as a guy that wasn't going to play that year in 2018 that they immediately realized he's one of our five best players. We have to play him at center for 2019-2020. I mean, there wasn't even a question about <laughs> no, it. No, there was never a competition. as to. And remember, they tried Josh Lug out so they could have a backup center that wasn't a walk-on. Because Grunhardt, I think they've always liked, but was always like, we could put Grunhardt in for 10 to snaps in any game, game and be fine. Yeah. yeah, that type yeah. of thing. And Corral was just too small his freshman year, which was the plan. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Lug's back issues are still in play. I have heard, I, I, I've had a couple of good comments about Christophic 
and Baker as well. Baker being a year younger. Um, so maybe there's, you know, I, I, I know we mentioned a while back that Dirksen, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, he'll get the first crack at right guard. I still have my doubts as to whether well, I think he'll be the first guy out there on. on yeah, no, he'll spring. be, the, okay, yeah, 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 no, he'll be the first guy out there, but I, will he win the job by the end of the spring? I'm not sure about that. And of course, Dylan Gibbons, we are penciling at the other guard for right now. Good news for everybody that wants Patterson not to play tackle this spring. He won't this spring because he's hurt. So you guys get to watch and hear about everybody <laughs> else working at it. But then you're going to really want him to tackle. But that's going to give Christophic and Baker a chance. He, I have heard that he is, quote, ahead of schedule. I don't think that doesn't mean any kind of contact this spring. But I think we're going to see him on the, the spring practice field, which is good enough. Right. If he can do – if he can, you know, if he can play against air at left tackle, AIR against le- at left tackle this spring, I think that'll be good enough. He's a smart kid. He's talented. They loved him at tackle. They put him at center without any any questions about whether he could handle that, and he did. And he eventually, especially this past year, was playing really, really good football. I swallowed my comment about a former player playing against being the heir representing him, and I did not say his name <laughs> on the podcast, so I feel good right. about myself. <laughs> you say you tucked that one away. Question from not Jay Tafel. Yeah, I've been reading that March will be a very good recruiting month for Notre Dame football. Which recruits do you expect to commit to the Irish this month? We know we're pretty sure. Yeah, that it's, we think on St. Patrick's Day, Joshua Burnham's going to be one of them. I mean, I think that's the big. Just because yeah, it's not I a surprise, think, just because it's not a surprise, it's not not that it's not great news. No, <laughs> just, no, but I think we've all kind of been assuming. Yeah. I, I think there's a couple other guys, Tim. I think that I think that DJ Wesselak could could end up with Notre Dame in March or shortly thereafter. I think Niuafe Tui Alamaka is a guy that could end up at Notre Dame as well. I love Holden Stays, the tight end. I think they have an excellent shot at them. I don't think that I have people telling me that yeah. I don't follow it like Tom, Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair do. And I think a lot, those people and a lot of others around Notre Dame are pretty confident that those names that I mentioned could end up at Notre Dame. I feel like Holden stays should end up at Notre Dame because that's what Notre Dame has to keep securing at that position. Does that make sense? That's yeah. you've got to get the guys the, the top guy you want. Well, I think they caught his attention, and I, yeah. I, you know, it, it's it's trending in Notre Dame's direction there. So I think those are some that, you know, now <laughs> nowadays we need to know when they're going to commit, not if they're going to commit. And if it if it you know they do have some commitments in March, I right. think those are some of the names that are that are strong possibilities. Next from the real Bob Nas, not to be pessimistic, but will Notre Dame be able to keep these commits or will they ignore them thinking they are safe like in previous years? Ouch. I, I mean, wow. I don't think <laughs> I mean, come December, Notre Dame, everybody that's verbally committed on that date in December has signed with Notre Dame the last few years. So, I mean, everybody's going to lose, yeah, lose some someone. verbal commitments along the way. I, I don't think that they've been ignored. Uh, I mean, Abiara for one, that had it had nothing to do with that. Right. So, um, <clears throat> you know, you're going to lose some. I, I certainly, but I understand. You know, with Marcus Freeman around, everybody believes that Notre Dame is going to land virtually anybody that he pursues and keep I guess them and sign them. They lost Colsey before they got him back. That was a big deal for a few months. 
I mean, that was a big decommit. That was a really big decommit at the time because it was I right around the Shipley time too. Did Notre Dame do something wrong in the recruitment? I don't, I don't know. I don't Colby? think so. I, I mean, think. I don't. Yeah, I, I just <clears throat> look. They can do better. Everybody can do better. You're going to lose some verbal commitments along the way, but I think that you know that first signing date that we've now had for three years or so. Notre Dame hasn't had any bobbles when it came time on that morning to sign their letter of intent, have they? Maybe there was. No, I'm just trying to think. It's more of everything I think of is guys you just missed that you wanted. That's not a. That's not losing the, the pledge though. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, there's a good I, list. Elijah Hood. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a very long time ago. <laughs> he did come to mind immediately, though. I have to say that, so it must have stuck yeah. with me for some reason. <laughs> CMU Penns fan, which player in 2021 do you think the Irish will wish they still had, Tommy Tremble or Aaron Banks? And the answer is always both, but we won't do that. Yeah, and, and CMU Penns fan said left early. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. consider Aaron Banks leaving early. He did have another year of eligibility. Tremble had two. Yeah. Tremble yeah. left early. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he left after his true junior uh, year in the classroom. So he left early, but that, that's neither here nor there. I still think it's, well, okay. You lose Tommy Tremble, you have Michael, hey, Michael Mayer. You lose Aaron Banks, yeah. you've got, that's you know, Banks. you don't have an established guard to fill in for him. So my natural reaction would, would be Aaron Banks, knowing fully well that Tommy Tremble blocked his ass off last year. Yeah, it's Banks because I, you, you do have options with, first of all, the options of Michael Mayer up behind Michael Mayer don't even have to be George Takis and Kevin Bauman. If you don't want him to be, cause it could just be a wide receiver. That's the way the, the offense can go. It's more flexible. Aaron Banks would solve a lot of issues. If, if he just came back at left guard, now, you know, he'd want to come back at left tackle because that's why he would come back right. to try to get tackle money. But that, I think that, we kind of, I think we kind of took Aaron Banks for granted. Yeah, last we did. Year, you we know? Did. I mean, he was playing some pretty quality football and he, yeah, he, he answered. He answered the bell every week. Once he, he should have over. come back too. He he could have gotten left tackle money had he came back. He had he come back. That I think Aaron Banks should have come back. I know he's going to do fine, and he'll go. He, I think he wanted to leave, so you can't tell someone that, that's graduating from Notre Dame as a senior you should come back. But there's a precedent set where guys that were better than him, like Zach Martin and Mike McGlinchey. Although I guess maybe Banks was equal to McGlinchey. McGlinchey got so much better his fifth year. That those guys came back and made a lot of money, and I really think Aaron Banks should have come back. Where, I mean, where the where is the highest he's going to be drafted? See now, yeah, I mean, in in, in a couple months here, I mean, third round, third at, round? Best, at best, at best, right? And that's probably, I mean, I would bet, I would bet more if you asked me to bet. I bet more fourth round than I would third round. I did too, and I I just thought he was so much better in twenty than he was in nineteen, and he could have been that again in twenty one over twenty. He was a he was an ascending underrated player for yeah. Notre Dame, man. It's, but I you know I understand where he's come from. I mean, he's started oh yeah, a bunch no, of yeah, games. That and he's part, confident yeah, in yeah, his game, yeah. and he's been durable. Is all and his lines leaving? He's leaving with yeah. his line basically. Yeah, that's what that, that was up. my concern. Like when we first started talking about last year that. You know, he feels like he's part of that, yeah, that Hainsey Eichenberg Kramer group because he's been with them so long right. and he's been in the starting lineup with you know with them most most of the time. Question from Kay Beasley. I'm not sh- sure if we had this question already a few weeks ago, but with the NFL draft looming, which Notre Dame player on the current roster will be a round one draft choice, excluding Kyle Hamilton? I think we should we did, one other guy. Yeah, Michael Mayer. 
Yeah, I think Michael Mayer would be the easy choice. So we're going to exclude Hamilton and Mayer, and it gets a lot more difficult to say who the next first round draft was. It does, because you don't know if two years of Patterson gets him into that realm. Chris Watt was a three-and-a-half-year starter, fifth-year senior, and he was like a – he was a third round pick. I mean, I don't think Patterson projects to be the next first round. Oh, but we haven't, se- but yeah. we haven't, we haven't seen, seen him play, play up, though. You're right. Yet. So I have to say Patterson because I can't think of anybody else. I mean, I've if got he's one a up, top five left tackle, then he could be. One other that I would suggest possibly is Isaiah Foskey probably moving into the starting lineup. Playing two years down the road. Two years, yeah. yeah. That's a good call. That's yeah, a good call for projection. And I do want to – I know a lot of people – I'm just inserting this. A lot of people want to know if Notre Dame's got somebody lined up to re- replace Chris Watt. I don't know who that is. I would imagine they're going to get somebody in. We mentioned Mike Moon. And I want to list the guys that were either grad assistants or analysts last year because I've checked with Notre Dame on who's back and who isn't. I haven't heard back. But Gus Ragland, who um, – he was an offensive grad assistant. Kerry Cooks was a defensive analysis uh, analyst. Uh, Asan, Rufus was special teams analyst. Patrick Kramer was senior offensive analyst. Nick Lazinski was senior defensive analyst. Chris Watt was the offensive grad assistant. Michael Gwynn was defensive grad assistant. Chris O'Leary, defensive grad assistant, who's now been elevated to safeties coach. And then Dean Petzing, offensive analyst. So um, we know that Watt's gone. Um, So we'll see, you know, and O'Leary moves up. So those guys will be replaced, but this is the first time we've ever had like an urgency to let people know who the, yeah. the grad assistants and analysts are because they're comparing Notre Dame to Alabama's and they don't have as many. And I, and I understand that uh, the people get a little bit anxious about that. I like it when they make it easy on us and all out of the blue, Marty Biaggi will start following me. I'm like, Oh no, oh, I guess somebody just got hired. <laughs> yeah. <And> he, <laughs> yes, yes. he could, he could someday return to Notre Dame as yeah. a special teams coach. Cause I don't know what he's done actually since he left Notre Dame, but I know he was a pretty sharp guy. Records um, 30, oh, my fault. Anyone else that I, I mean, I'm not, I it's hard it. for me to project. You know, I loved, um, I mean, I love Rocco Spindler, but we don't, we don't know yet. Um, yeah, you'd be saying now. You're saying like, how good is how good is Spindler, Fisher, Jordan Johnson, Tosh Baker? Right, some uh, of the, you I go mean, the high high upside guys that are redshirt freshmen and freshmen. So, excluding them in that junior class with Foskey, I mean, if I had to take a stab, you would. I wouldn't even go that anymore. Last year I would have <laughs> said Austin. Last year I would have said Austin, but that seems impossible that he would just go for that great breakout year with yeah. a new I mean, offense. You know, maybe, and, if, yeah. maybe, maybe if Jordan Johnson emerges this year, right. and, you know, catches 35 balls and is really trending. That's a guy that we'll say in a little while. Uh, da, 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 da. Wreckers 33 hot. What have you heard about player development from winter workouts? I mentioned Lorenzo Chris, styles. We touched uh, on Christophic. Really good things about him. The Christophic's moving well. The big thing with Christophic has been size. He's got to get a little bit, a bit more, uh, I think, lower body strength. I hear that Quinn Carroll is a large man, a large young man. But the thing that we, from, dating back from when he arrived, was about playing stiff and not being, 
you know, as mobile as they would like him to be. I thought the one picture that I saw of Blake Fisher. And you Much can't trimmer bake, than you expected. Right? Yeah, he looked, yeah, I thought he looked really, really good. And uh, I've been told that don't be surprised if, if Tosh Baker surprises, although I think I still would be just because he's a redshirt freshman and we're talking about left tackle probably. Yeah, and I – with Kristoffic and Baker – I think they get a lot of time at tackle this spring, though, because you're going to take it a little easy on Josh Lugs back, and Patterson's not out there the whole time. They're not taking contact. And Quinn Carroll, I am sticking with this as a – when I was trying to cobble together our line for a podcast question about a month ago, Quinn Carroll starting right guard is how I feel it will play out uh, over Dirksen and over the – it'll definitely over the young freshman coming in. I, Carroll's, I think Carroll would be a little bit more well thought of had he not missed that whole year. He wouldn't be any more flexible and less stiff and, and more of a tackle prospect, but I think we'd like him more as a clear guard option as opposed to a theoretical, which he is now since he missed that. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that you can, in terms of being stiff, I mean, there are ways to improve that. It's difficult, but I think you can get away with it a little bit more guard than you can a tackle. Certainly you're yeah. not, you're not playing in as much space. I don't know. It's fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully we get some opportunities to watch them because after that, missing last really August, yeah. I, yeah, we really, really, yeah. after missing the spring and then the, the typical four or five practices that we would get in August. I mean, I, we'll, get, we'll get the blue gold game because we'll, be <laughs> we'll be allowed to cover it. Um, and if they only allow one media member in and fans can attend, we'll be allowed to be in there. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll go inside and watch the game from in, from in there. Um, I think I, the blue the blue gold game is going to be something like I'm going to watch the replay of like three times just right. because oh, we exactly. have to have that. Yeah. As opposed to the one time you have to just for the tail of the tape and then you right. forget about it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, because yeah, you tail. normally see six practices that mean more than the blue gold exactly. game to you. Yeah. And tail of the tape, as thorough as you try to be, you can't watch 11 guys on every snap. And if no. you did, it would right. take me a lot longer than it already takes, and it takes a lot, <laughs> a lot of time. Kaiser Wilhelm, odds that Brian Kelly will be around to defeat both of his previous stops, FBS stops, at Notre Dame Stadium, meaning Cincy this year and Central Michigan. Yeah, Central Michigan's 2023. I, I, I mean, I, barring some, you yeah. know, I expect Brian Kelly to be coaching Notre Dame through 2024, at least through 2023. He's signed through 2024. Yeah, I'd say at least through 2023, and then you start. Yeah. Asking the question, probably. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. still, yeah, 2023 is still three seasons from now. So I, mean, I have said, I'm going to say it too many times before this season starts that I like the 2022 and 2023 teams better than the 2021 team. <laughs> I think Brian Kelly will be sailing through 2023. Don't you? I really do. Yeah. And I, and I know that people look at the schedule and say, yeah, I don't I see know. a loss, <laughs> but I mean, you just, I don't see I, an offensive line yet. If you don't yeah. see a loss, I don't see an <laughs> offensive line. All right, fine. Let's, let's go. Let's go I, with that. Or you don't you don't see five DBs that can play <laughs> yeah, in, in Freeman's yeah. three three five. You can't play a three three five with your own five defensive backs. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Just I, you know, just pump the brakes and let's see a little bit of development before we start predicting, you know, eleven and one again this year. And I just don't, I just don't think that that's even though I mean, again, we can look at the schedule and we we think we can judge it. I haven't, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what each of the opponents has coming back yet. We'll learn that no. as we go through the spring. I, I, the one thing, okay, I'll try to play devil's advocate for the people that don't see that see 11 and one or no loss. If they didn't get Jack Cohn, your September would be in so much peril right now. You could just, it would be hard to go win 
in Florida State, as opposed to now Notre Dame will be favored to go win at Florida State. Doesn't mean you're going to win, but Notre Dame will be favored to go win, and rightfully so, with an experienced yep. quarterback. That junk won't be a reason they lose, having a quarterback that just freaks out in his first game down in Tallahassee. And really, September has some other tests where if you're breaking in Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner, because we're assuming Brendan Clark's hurt or is going to miss enough time to not start, you got to worry. I mean, about most of those games in September. I think Cone, I don't know if Cone's going to be better than Book. I don't think he's going to be better than Buckner down the road, but Cone is a probably a godsend for September of 2021. Yeah, and but but a guy that hasn't played. It'll right. be two seasons since he had yeah. played. I'd still rather have his two seasons off and Tyler Buckner's two seasons off right yeah. now. That's All right, we're going to hit a – you're going to ask a couple baseball two, questions on me here. We'll 2-0-19-34, what has this coaching staff done to turn the baseball program around? Is it as simple as better players? And Bobby Hogan, too, wonders if they have enough arms to contend and will Jarrett be around? Um, I think it is as simple as better players, and they're better players because Link Jarrett has made them better players. He hasn't – I mean, the only thing that he's really using – to build upon is, is a, a group of uh, grad transfer pitchers uh, in Bertrand, John, John Michael Bertrand, JD's brother, uh, Joe Sheridan, Tanner Kolkep, and uh, Christian Scafidi. But I mean, other than that, it's just uh, Link Jarrett is a great baseball coach. I have spent, I have spent a lot of time speaking with him. I did speak with him face to face last late January, early February before the pandemic hit. And as a, as a guy that's been in baseball my whole life or was, um, I, I was really impressed with this guy, just his approach to everything, uh, two strike hitting less than two strike hitting situational thinking and the installation of confidence in this group. They've played with tremendous confidence. He's, he's coached 12 ACC baseball games. They've won 10 of them. They swept North Carolina last year and they're, they're seven and two this year. They just swept. Virginia, Virginia's down, but they won a national title six years ago. He is a great coach and it isn't their everyday lineup is basically the same as it was last year and pretty much a year before they're older now and they've developed. Yeah, but that's he's a great baseball coach, man. And I, there's a lot of concern, like, will will well, yeah, Jarrett be around, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, I, I would imagine that he can land an ACC job fairly soon at a place where they're probably going to pay a lot more than Notre Dame will pay a baseball coach. Uh, but for right now he's here and I don't think that he's skipping out anytime to anytime soon because he's building a, uh, an NCAA tournament team right now. Now, the one thing that could prevent them, Tommy, Tommy, uh, Tommy Sheehan, their number one pitcher has, is having some arm issues. He didn't pitch this weekend. If they lose him, that could hurt their rotation, but, the grad transfer help that they've gotten on the mound has really solidified this, this team. It's really, <laughs> for those that, that, that care about Northern baseball, it's really exciting because they are outstanding. I have a non sequitur for you here. You mentioned JD Bertrand's brother, you know, Bo Bauer wanted to play baseball at Notre Dame. Yeah. I remember you talking and, to him about that. He believes he could have, except one person told him he wasn't allowed to try because he's never seen a Mike linebacker play baseball. And that guy just retired from the sport of football, Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> well, Bo Bauer said the defensive coordinator at the time, because he was never coached by him, said, I've never seen a Mike linebacker play baseball. And that made Bo Bauer quit baseball in favor of football. Notre Dame. 
And now the baseball program's too good for Bo Bauer to come join. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. There's some other guys on that roster that deserve a shot, but it's very difficult because they're playing playing really good baseball. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I know the guys, the people that follow Nordic baseball, which is fairly limited, are, are pretty excited about. It. I am too. Let's uh, let's end this uh, podcast with a question from Irish Boy One, and it will address Nordic basketball. It seems to me Nordic basketball is at the same place. Notre Dame football was after the 2004 season with a coach whose team underperformed on the field and who underperformed on the recruiting trail. We know it was the right time to make a change in football back then. So why not basketball? I don't think you can make a comparison to you not even combining Tyrone Willingham and Bob Davey into what Mike Bray has done at Notre Dame basketball. And Jack Sporbrick is looking at what Mike Bray has done. Now the recruiting has a few holes that are absolutely inexcusable, like a no-person class, um, an absolute whiff of, not whiff, an absolute lack of foresight to not want a point guard after you bring in Prentice Hub two years ago just because you promised Prentice Hub the ball like has been done in the past. Some of it's player development because, you know, we've had a lot of back and forth on, the, on our message board, the Four Horsemen Lounge, where people were saying, and informed basketball posters saying, I never loved this class like other people did. That's fine, but you liked it a little right? You had to like this class a little, the rising, the rising seniors and juniors, even if they were overrated. And then we've talked about this in the past, Tim, the, on the heels of, or coupled with no player in a class, the absolute whiff of DJ Harvey at Notre Dame really hurt Notre Dame as well. Put put DJ Harvey being a good basketball player on Notre Dame's team right now as a senior, it'd make a huge difference. No, you're absolutely right. I I do not see the comparison to 2004 football. That was, Tyrone Willingham, three years into his tenure, I know I know what Irish boy yeah, is saying because of the recruiting and, but I I, I I wouldn't compare the two situations. But, um, <laughs> you know, I thought Dane Goodwin was overrated in that class when it was a highly rated class. I didn't think Lashevsky was overrated. I didn't think Hub was overrated, and you know Robbie Carmody was a part of that too. And we yeah. knew that he could leap and he was a good athlete. And they have not been able to benefit from him at all except for maybe a, a couple of games early and that was prior to this year and that's why you can't whiff on a class because no, Robbie Carver has been hurt class. and other and guys I, aren't as good so you can't whiff I, on a class I mean I, I I get the question I wrote an editorial the day after losing by 50 to North Carolina they ended up being a 42 point game I you know, I, I, I understand the, the thought of turning the page, and I encouraged it uh, in, in my editorial. Mike Bray's treated a little bit differently by Notre Dame because of the things that, that Jack Swarbrick said in an interview a few several weeks ago now. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of what he has accomplished, which I don't want to overplay what he's accomplished. He's been a good to very good coach. We have a full breakdown on today's Monday Musings, and I'm not saying this in a joking manner. I actually, if you're a Notre Dame basketball, if you're a Notre Dame basketball fan that doesn't remember everything about the Bray era, there is a quick synopsis in there for you that breaks it down, what he's done. If you're if you're a diehard, you already know it. But if you're if you're one of the guys that wants to see his career, I think it's broken down there well at the bottom of it. Yeah, the the you know, if he didn't have the elite eight, which he did, and those count. I and mean, those back count. back years, they were outstanding. <laughs> they really count. Uh, you know, but that's why I say good to very good. I, I, I can't, you know, I, a lot of people say he's done a great job in Notre Dame. He's done a great job of being 
consistent most of the time. There's only really been a couple bad teams in 21 years. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty good run over the course of of 21 years, but I just don't <clears throat> I hope he and look, every one of us that know Mike Bray personally, you pull for him, you want him right. you want him to be successful. But what just happened with this class, and I know it's a pandemic year, but I don't think you can <clears throat> Use that as an excuse because everybody is going through that. They they maintain relative health throughout most of the season. What just happened with this team that went seven and eleven in a watered down ACC season? That just can't happen. You cannot go twenty eight straight games against ranked teams, many of which were eminently beatable. Yeah, this is a murderer's row of ranked teams, like the Big East with UConn being number two every time or something along those lines. This is. 28, those, that's ridiculous. How that's a ridiculous streak. How is it? We said this in segment one. How is it going to be different when you didn't? When your team didn't have the guts to play hard against North Carolina when things started going south? That's my question. Uh, I think it can be different. Other than that, I, I think you have to you have to eradicate that from your program. You have to be a completely different approach to these guys. Like, how are they going to rebound next year with the I, current composition of the? the I know roster? it's, it's got to be Atkinson and Taylor, which is you're asking a, a redshirt freshman that didn't play at all, and a Yale transfer who's a good good player and a good rebounder to totally change the culture of rebounding. Mike Bray has to change the culture of rebounding and defense right now and accountability. I mean, I understand his loyalty to Hub, and he doesn't have a backup, but that's but that's Mike Bray's fault. They don't have, but they don't have another point. They don't have another guy that can play point guard at all. Cormac Ryan is a hustling basketball player. He's not a point guard. Now, Trey there, Wirtz, time, there are times where they can put the ball in Wurtz's hand and run. Yeah, but that's not Trey, Hunt, but here, that's Trey not, Wirtz run the show. He's no, not that either. No, yeah. absolutely not. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm encouraged individually by what they have, but I don't know how you bridge the the, the, the gap this year lengthened to a degree at 7-11 and 11 in the conference that just should not cannot happen yeah and you do need another player to come in via transfer um which is obviously eminently possible these days in college basketball grad and otherwise it's going to pass but will he do it does he has the maddening element of roster management where he doesn't want too many guys there to keep happy i don't think they all need to be happy it's not happy camp quoting tony alford bring them in and let them compete if two of your guys never get to play because you have don't have enough spot in your rotation that's fine you don't play half three guys every year anyway who yeah, cares I, if someone transfers because they don't get to play? Right. I thought I want to give Matt Zona and Tony Sanders credit for those were those two guys were good teammates this year. Yeah. When they weren't going to get an opportunity to play. And they should have had an opportunity to play because they weren't they, pulling Scotty well, Pippen out of the game, as I say every time. Yeah, when you're <laughs> seven and eleven in the conference, I don't know how Matt Zona can't get what yeah. what's what do we always say? What's the worst thing that's <laughs> going to happen if Matt Zona plays two to three minutes? He's going to get at least two rebounds and he's and a he, foul and a foul and yeah. he'll shoot free throws or he'll get a shot block, but at least he's challenging people underneath, you know, Hey, look, give my Jawan Durham developed in a way that we never, you never right. could have anticipated offensively. He did a great job. Uh, Trey Wirtz has helped them. Yes. He really came on. Cormac Ryan really came on strong and is really kind of the driving force the one guy that really shows a lot of guts and determination yep. and physicality as much as he can be physical. He's not that big. For his body, body. yeah. You're physical for what your position exactly. is. Exactly. So 
I mean, I still think the individual parts are good, but I understand the question. I hope Mike Bray succeeds uh, if he comes back next year. And it certainly looks like at this moment that he'll be coaching his 22nd year at Notre Dame. That's it for Irish Illustrated Insider. We appreciate you joining us. We will be back next Monday, depending upon our access to practice. We will uh, be looking at a couple podcasts uh, per week as we go through spring drills. We are anticipating an announcement any day, maybe March 23rd, that, <laughs> practice, pra- that spring practice will start. Well, on if, we're, if we're not there, they can, they can just tell yeah. us they're having practice. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.